you. Thank you, worship team. Great job. You guys can, can slip down, I guess, slip where you need to go. I want to say again, it's so, I'm so glad all of you are here. How many knows what today is? Today is our first day of our 21 days of fasting that we are joining churches literally all over this region, all over the nation, all over the world for the next 21 days to seek the face of God and uh, to see what the Lord will do. And I want to encourage you, if you can at all, participate with us. Uh, now, we're going to function, I am anyway, and I know several others. Pastor, what are you going to do? What are you all going to do? We're going to be functioning on a, uh, you know, more like a Daniel fast. That is, no sweets, no bread, no meat, uh, just stuff like that. Some are saying, I'm just going to fast and do one meal a day. Some are saying, I'm letting go of coffee. Some saying, I'm letting go of my Dr. Pepper, my Pepsi, whatever you drink. And whatever you got to do, I want to encourage you to participate with this. And more importantly, I believe, is that we are praying. Last night as I was home and preparing for today, I felt like the Lord quickened something to me that this fast isn't like what we've been over the last two years, that all we're going to do is repent and tell God how bad we are. But I believe this fast is more about us quieting ourselves down for a bit and opening ourselves up, getting rid of the stuff that vex us every day from life so that we can hear his voice and that we can be, re be positioned or repositioned if we need to be and that we can receive everything that God has for us. We've spent enough time repenting over the last two years. I mean, we did it. We went through it from the time of COVID. I'm not saying that's what, you know, it isn't going to be a part of it. But I think most of it is that God wants us to get quiet before him, that he can get our ear again and get our attention so that we can fulfill everything that he wants to do. So I want to encourage you, if you can at all, we're going to be fasting starting today all the way to the 29th. That's the last Sunday of the month. And if you can participate, I was so thankful uh, yesterday with my granddaughter. Even Stacy, JC, uh, was talking to me about fasting. Nobody's exempt from this, really. And, and so I was so proud of her. And, and I told her, I said, I want you to go for God in this. I want to see her filled with the Holy Ghost. And I just want to see great things for her. And I, I pray that for all of you that you will do that in this particular uh, part of time. So be prayerful uh, over these months. And here's what we're going to do. We're breaking it down in three segments. I'm going to get to message in just a moment. The first week this week, I want us totally focusing upon ourselves. You, you know, the Bible said if any two of us would agree, it's, could there be one time that we all could agree just to do the same thing? Just one time and see what God would do. I want you to focus on yourself this week. I want you to focus on your, on your personal life. I, 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 had a, I had some things wrote out to give you and some, through some technical things on my end. It just didn't materialize. And I apologize to give you some targets. Hopefully next week, maybe I'll have some and uh, get it done with somebody that knows what they're doing. And, uh, um, but the first thing I want you to do is put, put yourself before the Lord. I want you to ask God to search your heart. You got unforgiveness. You got wounds. You got disappointments. Let's get rid of them. 
Let's don't carry them any longer. Uh, and then I want you to make yourself available. Just surrender. Say, God, I want you more than I've ever had you before. Here's something else. I want you to pray over your family. Pray over your kids. Pray over your dad and mom. Pray over your family. Believe God for great things. Then I want you to pray over your marriages. I want us to pray over our marriages. Let's don't just exist. Let's just don't satisfy ourselves. Well, you know, we've been married a long time. We don't need it. Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. Over 50% of the marriages in our nation are falling apart and many people are unhappy. So let's pray and believe God to put the fire back and the life back into our marriage. Here's the last thing I'm encouraging you to pray. Pray over your finances that God would break you out of debt this year. Hello, we were not meant to live in debt. I'm telling you, I'm seeing this more and more. And that's one thing we're believing for in this church. And one last thing, and then I'm going to get right to, to what we're going to do today, is that I want you to pray about between now and the, the last Sunday, that if the Lord would lead your heart, only if you feel led of the Lord to do it, I'd like for you to pray about releasing a, 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 what I'm going to call a vision offering over and above your regular giving that you will place in an offering place on, on the 29th. Don't bring it to then. Don't dedicate it to then. I want you to wait to then. And uh, whatever you give, we're going to take that and sow it out of here because we got a lot of things we want to do this year. We've got ministry. We, I want to see this $3 million debt on this place. I want to see it totally annihilated and moved out of the way. Not so that we won't do anything. I want you to know that right now. I don't want to be out of debt just to be out of debt. The guy under the bridge is out of debt. The guy living on the street is out of debt probably. But they don't do anything. We're going to live in God's abundance and overflow. We want to remodel this place. We've got ministry outreaches that we've got in our future that we want to see happen. We want to reach into the world more. And so there's a lot of things that happen. I'm just asking you to pray about it. I live by a principle that what we make happen for others, God will make happen for us. So if you would just put that in your heart, in your spirit, and uh, pray about it. See what the Lord would have you do. Chad, I'm going to go to this other mic. And uh, this is Vision Sunday, everybody. And uh, we're going to start through this next month. Through the whole rest of the month, uh, we're going to be talking about vision. And we're also going to be praying every Wednesday night. What a great group that came in this past week. I hope you'll show back up with me Wednesday night. We're going to come and we're going to have targeted areas of prayer on Wednesday night. Well, I believe it's an exciting time to be on the planet. And I know that God is doing great, great things. And I want to lay out to you some things that are happening, things that we've been feeling, we've been working on behind the scene. First of all, you guys have known that my son Chad and Alexis and, of course, uh, Maverick have been with us now since the middle uh, of, of the year. Some of you not clear, well, what's their role? He is here to serve as the executive pastor of this church. Now, once you understand that, that's a different term that we normally use. You have associate pastors. You have this kind of pastor, assistant pastors. It's a, it's a different term. It's just a term that's used of the day. His assignment is to execute the vision 
that, that is in my heart and help execute that and help get that in you and help get it manifested throughout this church. He's not here because just being my son. I believe the Lord positioned him here. We really wasn't looking for him in a sense, you know, and a dad's heart is always there. Um, my, when he went off to, uh, to school and wound up in, in Georgia, I feel like I need to share this because I want it clear. I want you to, I want it clear what's going on. Um, when he went off to Georgia, uh, we didn't know that he would ever come back, to be honest. When you get involved in a great church like Free Chapel and you see all the dynamics there, he was uh, positioned as a contractor to go in, then positioned as on staff, found his wife, brought us forth a, a, a beautiful grandchild. And, and ever when he would go there, I, I kept telling him, son, learn everything that you can about the ministry. Learn everything that you can about how a place like that functions. Well, about October of last year, he began to call me and say, Dad, I feel like the Lord is stirring our hearts. Opportunities from other big churches had opened up for him to go into, but it all seemed to close about as fast as it opened. But they kept feeling that tug, and they were in their fast last year about this time. And I told him, because it kept getting bigger and bigger, I said, Chad, why don't you and Alexis make this fast about what God wants you to be? Because I really wasn't looking at that moment of time necessarily, you, you know, uh, uh, for that to happen. But then as we prayed and I was praying with them and in conversation one day after they came back, the Spirit of the Lord had spoke to them and it, God had spoke to me. And I just brought it like this. I said, Chad, maybe this is where you're supposed to be. I know you weren't looking for us, but I've been praying for a strategy and I've been praying for help in a way that we need. And I believe the Lord had directed and he said, Dad, we know that's what we're supposed to do. And so that's when we begin to make them and bring them back. And I'm so thankful because I believe of what the Lord is doing in this house and not that others couldn't work and do some of that. I want you to know that. I don't know why God does everything the way he does it. I don't know why he shifted me out of Kentucky and brought me to, put, uh, to Cape Girardeau. I don't know why he moved some of us the way he does, but God's always got a plan and he sees something bigger than us. And I believe what God wants to do is bigger than anything any of us have really seen, honestly. And it takes somebody that's been in it, that knows the ins and outs, that can come in and help us. Because sometimes all we know is what we know, no matter how much I desire it. Are you all okay? So I, I, just want you, I just want you to know that. I want it clear now. So what, but when's he going to preach? I didn't bring him to preach. You need don't, don't put that pressure on him. Or her. I didn't bring them to preach. I got preachers all over the house. Maybe someday, but right now, that's not what we're looking for. And uh, so he's standing alongside of me. He's helping me. We're talking all the time. We're, we're looking. We're working. And maybe things that are going. And matter of fact, they're helping us also to be able to see the next generation. And my brothers and sisters, believe it or not. There's a lot of us getting a little bit older and our hairs are getting a little bit grayer, no matter how much stuff we put in it. Hello, it's there. And we got to think 
about this next generation because God's a God of generations. I don't want this place to become a nursing home. Nursing homes are stinky and smelly and they're not fun to be at, to be honest. And I don't want this place to be a nursing home. I want it to be a vibrant place for the generations to receive the life of God. A couple of things you're going to hear. We're going to, we're going to be working hard on, on that we're all on the same page. I know I've got people that come from everywhere. Some of you have shifted over the last few years looking for this, looking for that. I'm so glad you're here. Every one of you are special. And I'm so glad you're here. But I want us to make sure that we're all on the same page. And we are speaking the very same thing. Did you ever see that little story? One of the first stories in the Bible is Genesis chapter, what is it? Genesis chapter, I think it's Genesis chapter 11, I believe, where the Tower of Babel was being built. And the people, because of they were of one language and one speech, God said, there is nothing impossible for you to do. So we're making a few little adjustments that we feel is important to our identity and also to our community and reaching the next generation. I want us to identify ourselves from now on just as Christ Church. That was originally our original name years ago when we, when we changed names from New Life back in the year 2000. I wanted Christ Church because here's the thing. It spoke about who we are. The anointed of the Lord. I believe this place is the place where the anointing abides and it dwells. And only through the anointing of God, only through the anointing is the yoke destroyed and the burdens lifted. And we're going to trust that anointing because it's not by man's ability and man's power, but by the ability of God. So when people hear Christ church, I want them to know that's where the anointing of God is. That's where the people of God is. That's where miracles happen. That's where healing takes place. That's where lives are changed. We're not changing anything legal or anything like that. We're just changing all of our stuff. We'll just talk Christ church. And that's going to be on all of our advertisement, all of our info stuff. We're going to be putting stuff in your hand. We've, we've had some real issues with printers and getting our information over the last couple of weeks. Things that we've ordered fell through. And so we're going to be putting some things in your hands over the next few days. We're going to be changing our sign out in the front. It's going to have a new reflection to it. Even our colors are going to change a little bit. You're going to see some things would change. But no, it's everything that we do is going to have a purpose behind it far greater than what you see with your eye. And so I want us to understand that just a simple thing. We just got our van. We've had our van, I don't know, a couple of years and we just got the name on it. I don't know if you've seen it, but we just put it on there. Christ Church. It really looks good. And I'm so excited about that. I love what God is doing in our ministries with our children's ministry. They are, as many of you know, probably don't know now, and you can help us when guests come in that's got small children. Our children are going on to their place of ministry, 
and we're going to call them Kid Crew. There you are. That's going to be the new logo for our kids. And uh, we'll identify it as Kid Crew. And that's how I want us to talk. And, and I want us to say, you know, kids, get ready. You're going to Kid Crew. And we're not just throwing them in the back back there. That just happens to be there's a great facility back there that you don't know that I believe we've had underway now for 12 years, not even used it near for what I believe it was designed for, but I believe we're getting ready to use it. We're going to see the hand of God back there changing the lives of our children in kid crew. Not only them, but our youth. And <coughs> so... Pastor Noel is doing a great job ministering and taking care of our kids. We want to value our children. We want to value every person, not just old, but we want to value everybody, young, old, and everything in between, every color, every person. We want to value every one of you. I want us also know this. We are not trying to create a multi cultural church. Please hear that. We're not multicultural. Although there are many cultures in this place, we want one culture and that is a kingdom culture. The people of God, that's what we want. And the people of God is made up of every person. It's made up of every man, woman, boy, and girl, every color, every ethnic group, whatever you got. I don't even know the right terminology, but I do know we're not trying to be something for everybody. Can't do it. The world can't even do that. We're trying to be the kingdom of God. And we're trying to set these things up that we can be more practical. Things are remembered easy, that we can work simpler, uh, more simple together. Our website is changing. All of that, we're going to give you some information on. You've even got a new pen in front of you in your seat pocket. So feel free to take it with you. It's a black pen with white letters on it with our name and the new logo or the new uh, uh what is that email address on there? I think that's what it is. So take it with you. We'll fill it back up again. Use them, hand them out. But I want to talk to you today. What is the purpose? What is our vision? What is the purpose of Christ Church? You know, when I came here 25 years ago, I've learned something over all these years. What I carry in me now is what I carried from the very beginning of when I started pastoring. And that was what you're going to read up here right now. We exist to lead people to a life within the fullness of Christ. That's why we're here. To lead people to the life that is within the fullness of Christ. Over the last few weeks, I've asked pastor after pastor, hey pastor, what is your vision for the year? What do, you, what do you see? What do you, what do you believe in God for? What are you guys about? Never fails. This is what I, I guarantee you, 99% of them will say this. You know what? We just want to see a move of God. We want to see revival. We want to see our region one for the Lord. We want to see the kingdom established. It never fails. Every one of them say that. It's a great vision. It's still mine to see. I want to see every person in our city one for God. But what is our purpose in all of that? See, I believe there's a place of fullness in God that's more than an experience. 
that it's more than just a feeling. It's about your life being changed. It's about you obtaining everything that God has planned and God has purposed for your life. I, I want you to go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. One of the greatest books in the Bible. I want to share some things <coughs> again over the next few days. I'll be sharing the how-tos of how we're going to look at this even more and better. Are you guys good? Good. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 3. It's one of the greatest books of the Bible. If there was a book that you ought to study and get to know and mark up, it ought to be one of the most highlighted books in the Bible for you, for every one of us, because it tells us who we are and what Jesus did for us. Of course, they all do, but this one is really, to me, is one of the greatest ones. In Ephesians 3, chapter 14, they're going to put it up on the screen. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, and that he would grant you according to his riches to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now Paul is praying this. He's praying over believers. He said, I'm praying that God, there's one place in here that he says, I pray that God opens your eyes, number one. And now he's saying, I'm praying that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. I wanted to put it, I want to read it to you again. This time I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. They don't have it to put it on the screen, so just pay attention. Pay very close attention to the words from the Passion Translation. So I kneel humbly before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate, how far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive is it. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you 
until you are filled with all the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. You ought to get the Passion Translation. You ought to read that. You ought to highlight that because God said, I can do more than your wildest imagination. So did you notice something in that chapter, that verse that I just read? I'm going back to the King James for just a moment. He said this, that he would, he said, I pray for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I want you to first know this, that every one of us are called and has the same potential and ability to receive all of the goodness, all of the greatness of God, and that it is manifested in our life. Every one of us in the eye of God is on equal term. I think I shared this here. I know I did at the nursing home the other day when... When Maverick was born a little over a year, year and a half or so ago, and we were down there and uh, with them, and Chad put Maverick in our arms for the first time, and him being a proud daddy and a proud mama, he says something to me like this. I couldn't believe he said it, but he said something to me like this. Dad, isn't he your favorite? I thought, dude, what's wrong with you? I got four others that are just as wonderful. And I feel the same way about them. And so many times, the people of God, because of things that we've gone through, because of issues of life, because of our sin, because of whatever, sometimes when we see other people blessed and walking in the goodness of God, he must love them more than he loves me. They must be his favorite or I would be enjoying that same thing. I got news for you. I'm God's favorite this morning, whether you know that or not, but I've got other news for you. You're God's favorite as well. Every one of us in this room are on equal terms in equal places to receive all the greatness of God. Everyone. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm his favorite. So he tells us through the book of Ephesians, he says, he declares first of all who we are. He said, you've been blessed in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. I want you to know that's not just some religious term. That's just not some religious idea. I'm not trying to be religious with you. I'm trying to be kingdom with you. God, it's blessed you. That is your name. That is your identity. So go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, whether you feel like it or not, you're blessed. It's already been sealed up in Christ in heavenly places. Not only am I blessed, you say, Pastor, how can I be blessed? You don't know what I've done. Well, get over yourself. It's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus did. He has qualified me. 
I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care how sinful you were. I don't care how you blew it. I don't care how much shame that people have put on you and guilt because of what you've done. If you will put your faith in Jesus. Now, if you're going to put your faith in man, you're always going to come up short and never get away from where you are. But he has qualified me through the work of his dear son, Jesus, when he died at the cross. All right, church, going to throw something else at you. Quit saying I'm not perfect. Yes, you are. Because you're perfected in Christ. You're perfected in Christ. God sees us. The Father sees us through the perfection of his son, Jesus. We have lived for so long outside of the fullness that it's just a good excuse to stay where we are and to stay weak and to stay in a place that we can't fulfill the purpose of God upon our life. Not only did he qualify me, but he has redeemed me. He has redeemed me. The word deem there, he's declared something over me, but the re means what he intended from the beginning, what he said over man. He has placed me back there in that place, but in a far greater place, not like Adam, but like his son, Jesus. I have been redeemed. I have been renamed. Come on. They may call you failure. They may call you, they may call you murderer. They may call you liar, cheater, a divorcee. They may call you all kinds of things, an addict or whatever. I got news for you. I don't know where that name come from, but I've got a new name and it's written down in glory and it carries more weight. Hello, somebody. I was somewhere the other day. They say, I want to see your identity. I want to see your identity, your identification. They wanted to look at my picture and they wanted to look at my name. I said, I'm here. I'm here. You know who I am. They knew who I was. Got to see it. They wanted to see it on something legal. Well, I've got news for you that don't know who you are, that want to walk in the fullness. I've got a greater place of authority. I've got a greater thing for you to pull out. It's called the word of God that you can declare. I have a new name and my name is in Christ. Matter of fact, you might ought to just call me little Jesus. Come on, somebody. They ought to call you the same thing. You're little Jesus. Hello. Now, he's not only renamed you, he's repositioned you. He's positioned you to fulfill everything he called you to, to have everything that he could said you have, you could have. Listen, church, I'm going to press on you. I've got people chasing every movement under the sun and getting no further than what they've been for years. There's a young man that, that I, he doesn't live around here. He's been to every movement in this state. He lives a gay lifestyle. He's, he's a good guy, but he struggles with homosexuality and he struggles with it bad. He's been put out of churches. He's been put, you know, he's been on the run. He has to keep moving from one state or another. And if you talk to him, because there's times he'll call me up and, and he'll want to talk. And, and I, I've tried everything I know to do. And he'll run to every great move, move, uh, meeting, every great revival. Matter of fact, he'll go there for days at a time and get in and tell all the 
about what Jesus is doing, but he still has not been able to get himself past that place to be free and who God said he would do. So I'm here to tell you, you can chase everything under the sun, but that don't mean that you're going to step into the fullness of God until you determine that he has repositioned you and you're going to declare what God said. Matter of fact, this is a good place to bring it up. God woke me up. I mean, I was woke up this morning with the word of the Lord. And this is what he said. My people are not saying what I'm saying. I mean, it was that strong. It literally shook me for a minute. I wasn't having a spiritual dream of any kind. He woke me up with it. I didn't even have to wait on the alarm clock. He said, tell my people, they're not saying what I'm saying. Well, he didn't say nothing to me. Yeah, he did. You ain't paying attention. He's talking to you right now. Hello? You don't have to stay in the same spot that you're in. He has declared you righteous and he's declared you holy by himself. Not by what you put on, not by what you take off, not by what you do or don't do. He's already declared you holy. And if you can identify with the holy, there'll be things that you'll quit doing. Hello? Religion will tell you that you'll never be. Until you this. I remember Keith Moore talking about some brother that smoked that come into his church. This guy wanted to get free from smoking. Now you come up like I did, you're going to hell if you're smoking. But just the way we were brought up. Y'all, some of y'all in here that way. And uh, he said this guy had done everything. He tried every latest gimmick that he could ever get a hold of. And nothing would work. Been in every prayer line that he could get in. Still wasn't free. Brother Keith Moore said one day, the Spirit of the Lord, he came, got back in the prayer line, and the Spirit of the Lord just quickened to him and said to tell him, every time he goes to pick up one of those cigarettes, whether he puts it in his mouth and smokes it or not, tell him, tell him to declare that I am free from this in the name of Jesus. He said that's just all he needed to do. He said he began to tell him. He began, that brother began to do it. And it wasn't, he said it wasn't within a few days. He followed the instructions of the man of God. He started every time he'd light one up, sometime he'd smoke it all the way through. And then he'd say, I am free from this in the name of Jesus. And he said, just like that, he had no longer had a desire to smoke cigarettes. I'd done a TV interview with a man uh, in a tent meeting somewhere on the west side of the state several years ago. He wrote a book entitled Seven Nights with a Witch. A young lady that was full of demons that was up in the hierarchy of witchcraft came in the meeting. She came with one purpose. She came with one purpose and that was to, to, to kill him really. She was going to take him out. She was going to disrupt that meeting. She sits down in the second row. She wasn't on the first row. And, and the brother that, that I was doing the TV interview with was telling his story. It's his story. He said, I just kept, when I saw this young lady coming in, I just saw there just, just something didn't settle right. And she sat like there and he was sitting like over here. And she said, all, he said, all through that meeting, through the worship, he said, I turned my head. I kept being drawn and she's just gazing into me. He said, finally, the service was given to him. 
to start preaching. And he started preaching and he said that young lady had locked on him like laser. Her eyes were literally black. No whites, no white in there. It was just black. He said, I knew then what I was dealing with. He said, eventually, he said, I finally realized I had to stop doing what I was doing. He said, I moved toward the young lady. He said, I just asked her, I said, would you mind if I minister to you? She said, no, that's fine. He said, I took her by the hand. He said, I didn't scream. He said, I didn't holler. I didn't do all of these things that we've been taught and we've seen to do. He said, I just simply took her by the hands. And he said, young lady, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And he said, the moment he said that, that demon started manifesting. He said, I just kept saying it. He said, I didn't need to say anything else. I didn't change the inflection of my voice. He said, she is just sitting there, this demon manifesting in her. And he just said, I kept saying to her, but Jesus loves you. She would cry out and say, he can't. He can't love me. I've been this. And he would just keep saying, but Jesus loves you. And in a few moments she was totally set free by the power of God. Oh, that's a story in itself that I'll maybe someday, maybe have him come and share it, minister here. I interviewed him several times at the TV station. But not only have you been redeemed, you've been renamed, you've been repositioned, but you've been declared righteous and holy by him and God has sealed you into that in a covenant relationship, a covenant relationship that he cannot break. And he sealed you by his precious blood for now, for now. And not only did he seal you with his precious blood, he has given you an inheritance. You need to understand that. I never thought about this story until now. As God was laying this message on my heart. You remember the story of the prodigal? When the prodigal, the young son came to the father and said, Hey dad, I want my inheritance now so I can go. Wait a minute. Inheritance doesn't come until after somebody dies. It doesn't come until, but the father said, Okay, here. And he gives him his, his inheritance. So what does the scripture say that I just read to you? He has not only sealed us by the precious blood, but he has given us an inheritance that you don't have to wait to heaven to use. You can use right now in this place, in this time, in your life. Come on, you better hear what I'm telling you because most of us are living a lot lower than we ought to be because my heavenly father owns the earth and the fullness thereof. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's got enough gold that he puts it in his, on his streets. He's got enough precious gems that he makes the foundations of his houses out of it. He overlays everything he wants with gold. And if our heavenly father is like that, why are you and I living like paupers in this life? We're not beggars. Come on, church. We have, oh, pastor, you're making this about money. No, it's not. It's about the wealth of my heavenly father. It's about everything that he said I could have right here in this present time. John 10, 10 says, the thief cometh not. 
but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Notice what he said. I know how we are. Listen, I'm looking forward to going to heaven as much as anybody. I don't want to go today. And neither do you. So get on beyond that. You stopped at every stoplight. You put your seatbelt on. You watched everybody in the coffee line to make sure they didn't have a gun and were going to shoot you when you got in it. That tells me you don't want to go. No matter how much you took your medication today. Hello. I'm, I'm all for heaven. Listen, I believe in heaven. Don't anybody mistake. But I'm not ready to go. We fight to stay in this earth. And if God saved me to get me to heaven, the best time he could have took me was the moment I said, Jesus, forgive me. Be the Lord of my life. Because it wasn't but a few moments after that, I probably blew it again. But he didn't save me to take me to heaven. He saved me to give me his life, his Zoe, right here upon this planet. Hello. Right here where we are in this present time. No, we have bought into so much of this world system. The reason I can't have is because I'm this or I'm that. I'm black. I'm white. I'm Hispanic. I'm Asian. I'm here. I'm a foreigner. I can't have. I can't do. We bought into the world system. God never said that. I'm trying to get us somewhere. Hello. I want to be somewhere. Everything that Jesus came to do was about, listen, everything that Jesus came to do was about the good for our living, not just to get us to heaven. Good people, I believe God's people, are to be the most, hear how I'm going to say it, I'm just following my notes now. God's people are to be the most peaceful, the most joyous, the most overcoming, the most healthy, the most wealthy, happy people on the planet. Notice what I said. We're supposed to be the most, well, pastor, I'm just seeking kingdom business. Okay, let's talk kingdom. The kingdom of God is not, right, it's not meat nor drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, faith, goodness, temperance. We ought to be the most peaceful. Well, pastor, you don't know what's coming on the planet. I'm telling you, folks, it's time for us to shut things down and start getting our focus upon what Jesus is doing. Not what the devil's doing. He's moving on every angle and around every corner. He's hiding behind every bush. But my God has put a hedge about me. My God is watching over me. My God has promised to see me through. Listen. God's people are to reflect the goodness of the Lord. Boy, it's one thing. Hey, let me tell you about how good my God is. <coughs> let me tell you how wonderful my God is and my car won't run. Let me tell you how, you ever see all the people on corner, please don't anybody be offended. 
This is how people on the corner do. Will you please help me? God bless you. I thought, what a, what a testimony. What a testimony we are. God bless you. Yeah, he'll provide. Oh, we'll talk it good. My God can do anything. Really? If it came by your testimony, I don't know if I could believe it. If it came by how some of us live from time to time, I don't know that I can believe that. Because I want to talk about how good he is, but if he's that good, why is he not manifesting that in my life? Hello, hello. I, 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 listen, I don't think God ever intended for us to live and to pay the, what, what, what do we, there was a term that's been used over, over the last couple of years, big farm or whatever, something like this. Listen, we got Maranatha, Maranatha. We got, we got marijuana shops popping up all over the country to make people feel better. Let me buzz you out of this world. I'll make you feel better. I even saw some guy the other day, like we got stickers. We're going to have some stickers to put on your windows. Let you identify the church. But I had some guy advertising on the back of his. I know he wasn't owner of it because I'd tell by his car. But he was advertising where he was buying at. Yeah, I know what you like. Are you okay? I'm trying to move us because we've got a purpose to be. Listen, I'm not interested in coming to a God that can't change my life. By the way, Let's talk about that for a moment. It's not in my note, but let's talk about that. Why serve a God that can't help you or change your life anyway? The whole reason that we serve idols, even through the Bible, the idols were, they were gods of the moon. They were gods of fertility. They were gods of, of rain. They were gods of this and that. Why did people worship them? Because they thought if I worship him, he will bless me. They'll see that I get rain upon my crops. We will have many children because we serve that God. That's the whole purpose. The whole purpose that gods are out there anyway. Because they promise you a life that you're looking for. Do you ever think about this? Israel would have never come out of bondage if God never gave them a promise of a land that flowed with milk and honey. Matter of fact, he dealt with the people different than he dealt with Pharaoh. He went to Pharaoh and said, hey, these people belong to God. Let them go so they can worship. He didn't talk to the people like that. He talked to the people like this. Hey, guys, get ready. We're busting out tonight because God is going to bring you out and bring you into a land that is good, into a land that is large, and into a land that overflows with milk and honey. He, they would have never moved. Matter of fact, many of you probably wouldn't be here if you didn't believe a couple things. One, if I don't go, I'm going to go to hell. If I do go, maybe I've got a chance at heaven. And the third thing maybe is if I go, maybe there's a blessing rating on me. Ooh, we got quite there. Think about this for a moment. He didn't do any miracle to get anyone to heaven. But I believe he was showing us something. Turn the water into wine. Why? Because there was a lack. He fed the 5,000. Why? Because they were hungry. 
He healed the woman with the issue of blood. Why? Because she had spent everything and she had. She was growing worse and she was going to die if somebody didn't help her. So Jesus healed her. He opened the blind eye so the man wouldn't have to beg no more. Hello. He opened deaf ears so they could speak and declare the glory of God. They could use their tongue in a proper way. See, God just doesn't heal us so that you and I can walk around and say, I got a healing ministry. Although healing is in your hands. And I'm thankful for that. He wants to give them a better life. I believe that's why we struggle in faith. Even when we're praying for people, we'll have people come. Oh man, you're in pitiful shape. I don't know if we can or not. You might as well go ahead and die. That's not the plan of God. I believe you and I, the more that we see what God wants to do with us, the more our faith will operate to see to see the hand of God and to see the miracles that you and I are looking for. I got to get this jet down. Are you okay? Just for a few more moments. But he said, my people aren't saying what I say. He said, they're not talking like I'm talking. I, 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 I've done it. I do it. I catch myself. Man, I'd sure like to have, I'd sure have to have, again, keep in mind, this isn't just about stuff. It's about everything in our life. But stuff is nice. The psalmist said, I've been rich. I've been poor. I believe if he had spoke right, he would have said, rich is better. And I know you feel that way. Some of you remember growing up. I've heard the stories over Christmas time of our old, old saints that have gone before us where Christmas was, a, was an apple, an orange, and a stick of gum or a piece of chocolate. What was your, what was your Thanksgiving meal? A possum? Seriously. My dad talked about the years at his family. That was a main course. They ate possum. My goodness. Thank God we've grown beyond that. Hello? They lived in the hand-me-down era. You know, when there were six boys in my family, I'm next to the baby. Everything got handed down. The only thing that didn't get handed down to me was shoes because they couldn't get, I couldn't get my feet in their shoes. But we lived in that hand-me-down era. I, I want to tell you, we, we've even bought, y'all really going to get upset with me now because, see, we think this is just how we're wired to be. If we go get a bargain, we've done something great. Don't misunderstand. Don't anybody be offended because this is a life that we grow. We go from faith to faith to faith. But I don't want the guy living on the street no more that says he knows Jesus. And I don't want my friends that are to be addicts have to live in a support group any longer. Because that's never what they were supposed to do. Matter of fact, their lives ought to be testimonies that they're saying, hey, come follow me. Hello. I'm not downing them. I know there's real struggles. I realize that. But I also believe there's a life beyond that we can get into that will be a great testimony. And I'll show you right here and I'm going to be done. The book of Isaiah. One of the greatest books in the Bible as well. Israel is sin. The nation is sin. 
The whole earth was full of sin. And God is going to bring, he's going to deal with the sin and the judgment that is in the earth. And in Isaiah chapter 2, or chapter 1 and verse 19, God says something like this. He said, let those that are willing and obedient eat the good of the land. Let those that will follow me, let those that are willing to say, hey, I'll surrender to you and I'll do what you say. He prophesies through the prophet in Isaiah chapter 2. Listen to what he says. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountain and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord's house, to the house of the God of Jacob, the God of covenant. He will teach us his ways. Listen, he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. God made a promise. God spoke into the future, into the latter days. And he said, my house is going to be established. My kingdom will be established above all kingdoms. And because of what goes on in it and the life of it, he said, everybody is going to want to come to be a part of what's going on up there. People aren't looking for religion. They're not looking for a religious place. They're looking for God. They're looking for something. Will somebody change my life? Will you talk to me about the God that will transform me and that there's evidence of that? I don't think they're looking. I still see this great harvest coming. I've seen it the last six months. I see a great harvest, but they're not gathering to a great meeting as we know meetings. If I could just get brother this so-and-so here, then I know everybody would flock. I've had those guys here. And I filled the house to where you couldn't move. And at the end of the day, when everything was done and everything was settled, all I could say is, I had so-and-so here. I spent a lot of money to have them. And we had a lot of guests in the house from other churches. But I have to be honest, there was very little evidence many times that anything was done. Because again, we have put the confidence in somebody that will come and stand instead of us living the life that they're coming to you and saying, tell me, what is the hope? Why are, how are you doing the things you're doing? So the prophet reveals God's going to take care of issues. He begins to make proclamations about dealing with the sin. I just got to walk through the book for a moment. So hang with me. I'm going to go somewhere. In chapter 7, he begins to reveal. He said, this is so great that I'm going to come myself and I'm going to deal with it. That's why he said, a virgin will conceive and bring forth the son. And his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. The name Jesus is more than just a name. In other words, he's saying this, I am God salvation. I am God healer. I am God provision. I am God atonement. It's more than just a religious name that we use. God is saying, I've come down among you and I'm working. 
He declares his authority of heaven and earth. He prophesies Jesus in Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is, is born, a son is given, and, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Then we find on as we read, thank you, D, you can take that down. We keep walking through. He makes proclamation. He begins to deal with the enemies that were making war against Israel. He begins to make proclamation against every one of them. He walks through several, several chapters of Isaiah. He even comes to a point that he begins to deal, makes proclamation against the sin that was in Jerusalem among the people that he's going to deal with. About chapter 40, God begins to send a word of comfort. He's made his proclamations now. Now he begins to send a comforting word. He said, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, for I have paid double for their trouble. I paid double for them. And he begins to declare what he's getting ready to do do through Jesus. Matter of fact, in Isaiah 43, 19, he said, behold, I do a new thing and it shall spring forth speedily. Shall you not know it? God said, this thing is going to be so strange. It's going to be so different. It's not going to look like anything that you could have imagined it to be. But he said, I'm going to call springs to come up in the desert. I'm going to call the wilderness to begin to blossom and bud. He said, I'm going to change the very life and the ecosystem by the power of Jesus. Chapter 50, chapter 50, the Messiah is revealed. He says something in those chapters preceding. He said, there's nothing about him that you would want him. Matter of fact, he would look like one that's been smitten and stricken of God, but he steal the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. How many has ever heard this passage? Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises in judgment, we shall condemn it. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. We use that every time the enemy gets in trouble or gives us trouble. But what God was really saying way back there, he said, what I've determined, there ain't no demon of hell. There ain't no force of darkness. There's nothing that can stop it. No weapon formed against you will prosper, but you got to use your mouth to turn it back. Hello. How many has ever heard this one? Isaiah 59, 14, 19, something like that. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise the standard. I want to put it in today's vernacular because this is what God said. I believe, really believe this is what he said. When the enemy is coming in like a flood, I'm going to move upon my church and my church is going to rise up and they're going to turn back the the flood work of the enemy. And then we get to Isaiah chapter 60. This is where I'm going to land the jet right here, I promise. Woo! I don't know about you, but I've had fun. I hope you know what we're about. It's going to take me a lot. I'm going to have preached this a million times. But we're here. We are going to exist to bring, to lead people, to live in the life of the fullness of Christ. I'm tired of a little dabadoo. I want to see a dabadabadoo go on where their life is literally changed by the power of God. 
let our testimonies lined up. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I don't know how it happened. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. I don't know. I come from a very poor family. I was the least of all of them. But let me tell you what my God has provided for me. Those are the testimonies that we want to declare of the goodness of God. Then he said in Isaiah 60, he said, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, a darkness shall cover the earth and a gross darkness, the people. It's here. It's in the earth. He's talking to his church. He said, a darkness will cover the earth and a gross darkness upon the people. But my glory will rise upon you. And the Gentiles will come to the brightness of your rising. I hope you can, just a simple illustration. But he said, my glory. Notice he didn't say it was going to come down. He said, my glory is going to rise up. Because his glory is already in us. If you want to know the glory, you're looking at him. Uh, matter of fact, bring me that light, Larry. If you want to know where the glory is, I'm going to show you. It's right there. It's right there. You're the glory of the Lord. Every one of you in this room. He said, my glory is going to be seen. You can turn the house lights up. He said, my glory is going to rise. He said, the Gentiles shall come to your light. And the kings will come to the brightness of your rising. He went on down. He said, your sons and daughters are going to come from afar. Your sons and... Hey, listen, mom and dad, quit being religious and just start being real in God and start believing God to do great things in your life and watch your children. That's the promise of God. He said, your sons or daughters are going to come and they're going to be nursed at your side. He said, then you will see and become radiant. He said, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. I'm not trying to figure out if I need another government stimulus or not. We need to come to believe a God that will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. And that a God that's got more than enough. I need to believe him. We're going to be laying out some core values. And one of those core values is we're going to believe big and we're not going to insult God with small thinking and simple and simple safe living. I'm going to believe God for some of the greatest things that we've ever had. All right, you stay right where you want if you want, but I'm not. That's why I'm going to speak what God said. He said, this is his time. He said, this is time my glory is going to be seen. You know this, the first mention, how many glory seekers are in the house? Don't get honest. How many glory seekers? What are you looking for? Don't answer. What are you looking for? I'm waiting for somebody to come in, go dust on their hands. You know what's interesting? I believe all that. I believe there's signs. Don't anybody be offended. I'm just going to make a statement. I just wish they'd leave enough that I could shovel up. Yeah. 
I'm being real. God gives a sign, but I, I, I want it. I believe God is doing that for a purpose. The first mention of glory in the Bible has to deal, listen, it really does. It has to deal with the wealth of mankind. It's the first mention of glory in the Bible. It's not a cloud. It's not a feeling. It's not this. It was God. You know what the glory of any father is? The glory of any parent is to watch their children succeed and do far greater than what they did. Boy, that's a wonderful guitar right here. I can make firewood out of it, I think. I can make a club out of it. I watch them on wrestling beat people over the head with them. I mean, all kinds of things can be done with this guitar. But the glory of, of the guitar, the glory of the guitar is the sound that it makes, that touches the hearts and the souls of men. Is the glory of the guitar. And matter of fact, it's probably the glory of the one playing it. I know my son-in-law is back there up here somewhere. But years, when Samuel was smaller, we still get it once in a while. But when Samuel was smaller, I hear this all the time. I felt bad for his dad. He looks just like his papa. Oh man, my head went, my heart went. They still say that. Hey, he looks like his papa. You want to know where glory is? That's my glory. That's my glory. I, I know there's encounters and I know there's experience not making light of any of that. But then let me, I got to land right here. We're way over time. He said this, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm closing. You better hear what I'm going to say to everyone in this room. The spirit of the Lord, he's prophesying into the future about Jesus to come. And Jesus turns around and repeats it in, in Luke chapter 4 and also in the book of Matthew. I, I believe in, I know in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he said, The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he, had, he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He's saying to the poor, and I really take it literally, you don't have to be poor no more. You don't have to be a beggar. He said, I have, he said, he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. You don't have to live a lifetime with a broken heart thinking that you can't deal, do life and be in great relationships and have great relationships in your life. He said, not only has he anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, but to proclaim deliverance to the captive. I'm saying to all my so-called addict friends in this place, you don't have to be an addict. God has called you to be free. And there's probably more addicts in this room than you and I realize. Because it's possible we're all addicted to something and we don't even realize it. But God wants his people free. For the opening of the prison to those that are bound. Wherever you find yourself. I can't move. I'm fearful. I'm this. God said he's opened up the door. He's never meant for you to live in the prison house. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And that was the year of Jubilee. When every man's debts were erased. Man. Every 
every man's bands were loose. God said you could live in that arena. So what are we about? What is our purpose? To bring everybody to the fullness. It's going to take some work. It just doesn't happen. But to bring everybody to the fullness. To the, to the life. There it is. We exist to lead people to a life within the fullness of Christ. Jesus died so that I could have life and have it more abundantly. Come on and stand with me this morning. There's more for you than what you could ever imagine in every area of your life, spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally, financially. I pray that for you all the time because I believe that. I believe it's in every area of our life. I'm pressing. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm pressing. So Father, I thank you this morning for this privilege that you've given me to declare your word. And I have spoken God as good as I know how. And I pray today, Father, that each one of us would find, God, ourselves in the fullness of who you are. In whatever level we are right now, if it needs to be spiritually, Lord, that there's things in my heart, my life that I need to be free from. I, I pray right now, Father, I pray right now, God, that we would be free. God, if it's in my marriage, I pray that my home is renewed and restored. If it's in my health, I pray that we're whole. God, if it's in my finances, I pray that I live in a place I've never lived. I ask that, Father, in Jesus' name, be in what God put in your heart. I believe the Father is wanting to heal people yes. from the spirit of rejection. Yes. The rejection of man. Yes. The rejection of, of the ones that we have loved the most. That we feel like have rejected us. Yes, God. Some feel like the church has rejected them, that they've judged them. But he wants us each one to know yes, God. that the Lord Jesus Christ never rejects never. us. Never. He God sent his son to bring us into relationship. And Ooh. he's wanting us to be healed yes. and made whole yes, from God. that spirit that is yes, we have placed upon ourselves. We allow the enemy to come against us with that spirit. And the Father wants that Jesus. broken now. Now. In Jesus name. Now in the name of Jesus. At the word of the Lord. At the word of the Lord.